0: Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Pastor Brian. Hello. And Meredith Stores. Hi. And we are here to talk with you about the Manhood and Womanhood Conference. Yes, we are. Because seven hours wasn't enough. Eight, eight hours? I Is think it, it was eight hours. Eight hours. Because eight <laughs> hours wasn't enough. We feel like if you have spent time since the conference, maybe you attended the conference, maybe you haven't, and, and you've been working your way through, you know, session by session, kind of maybe on your drives while you're. I don't know, doing the dishes, whatever. We wanted to give you some more. Just want you to feel behind. <laughs> if you thought you were making progress, no, there's more. There's more. That's exactly. That's ex- that. That's exactly it. Um, no. It, one of the. Th- I mean, the, the conference was a a lot of information, mm-hmm. a lot of content, and a lot of um, just a theological background, which uh, I'm super thankful for. I think as a church, we're going to be sharpened in a lot of significant ways by it. But it also, I think, <laughs> I think for some of us, it raises more questions than it even answers things because it, it causes us to need to think, to need to wrestle through some of these things. Um, and so we, we want to just take the opportunity to discuss some of those, try to put this on the ground in some ways, maybe wrestle through how this touches down in different people's experiences. Um, but before we do any of that Brian yes for those that haven't listened to the conference yet can can you just can you sum it up for us no <laughs>
1: no I can't no of course
0: I can. <laughs>
1: it's eight hours <laughs> no you need I mean
0: come on I bet I mean the Notes version You're like no a- I, no I, I mean uh, no no actually no I, I appreciate this Let, let's use this opportunity to to gently instruct People to if they're listening to this and they haven't listened to it, push pause and go listen to that first. What? Why eight hours? I mean, I know we've talked about this before, right. but now that now that we've completed it, why? Why not just the Cliff Notes version?
1: Uh, you know, it's a good question. You you can't you can't Cliff Notes this. In one sense, you can, but there but it wouldn't make a lot of sense. So I think that's the hard part is when you when you try and sum this up like a really quickly and kind of a, like a, a simplified version. If you don't have the context behind it, you're not really going to understand that simplified version very well. Other things you can do that. It's not, not everything's that way. Mm-hmm. Not everything's just crazy complicated. Yeah. If you start talking about what it means to be a human being, what it means to be created in the image of God as man and woman, Like that, it, it's hard to not have a lot of background, uh, a lot of foundation to build that on. And so just giving someone a, a quick Polaroid of the house you built on it doesn't really do the job of Mm. understanding all the building that went into it, what it's standing on, why it's secure, the interior design, like all these different things are all a factor. And so I I think I I would encourage people to listen to it um, because I think it's helpful. And I think this is something that we're trying to uh, make progress in and move forward in as like a church community, as a church family. And so to not have that kind of, set of ideas up and running while we do that, You know, while, while you're listening to this podcast, while you're listening to the rest, while we're doing things in the fall, like, to not have that uh, up and running while, while you're experiencing all those things is just going to make it harder to feel like you're able to fully engage. Mm. I know not everyone has like eight hours to spare, um, but we're trying to get this material out so that you can over time just kind of understand it, hear it, and have more familiarity with it so we can kind of hit the ground running. Mm. As a church, we want to embrace it more and more and more.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think like, take your time with it. Listen a little at a time. If it takes you several weeks to get through it, that's totally fine. I know there could be a temptation to skip ahead because you've got the whole recording and you're like, well, let me just go to the definitions or let me just go to where it impacts the church. But, you know, like Brian said, like really take your time to listen through it in order Mm -hmm. because some of what, especially what you established in the first few sessions helps the definitions make sense. And then Mm -hmm. the definitions help the implications make sense, and so, you know, give yourself time to to kind of sink and and mull in it.
0: Okay, I I've heard Brian's answer to this multiple times. I think we've probably heard it multiple times on the podcast. But I want to ask you, Mayor, what even just to take one quick step back, mm. why is it important for us as Christians, as a church, to think theologically like this, mm. and not just get the answers?
2: I think so many of us don't realize the cultural messaging that we might be swimming in here. Mm. And there are ways in which even if you went to, you know, really theologically rich churches through your whole life experience, you might have picked up different kinds of things in Christian culture, in youth group, in, you know, whatever your contexts were. And so to really go back to scripture and to ask, you know, is this is this idea I have about my my own identity, which is wrapped up? And connected to our gender is this coming from a cultural idea or is there a, a biblical root to it and and it's good for us to ask those questions and to to get a gut check every now and then am i am i just sort of rolling with the cultural waters or is what i believe like do i have confidence in saying no i know why we behave this way i know mm. why theologically the world is structured or the church is structured in a particular way
0: yeah you know i we're, we're going to get to the questions but before we do i you know what this makes me think of no. new, ma- new math
2: new math
0: <laughs> new math i like isn't
2: new math like from the 60s or something no uh, no no this is like so, new cuz there's different math now I, I know
0: i'm thinking of like the the core not the like common core common core math Ooh. right and i know this is i mean this is kind of a deep cut and but parents are are involved with in this i one of the things that parents are frustrated with is that their kids come home with math homework and they're like, I don't under, I don't understand what they're asking you to do, right? Because it's not how we learned math. Oh yeah. But how we learned math was know how to get the right answer. Like, it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter that you understand how you got there. Just kind of put it into a a trick and get out the right answer. But there's no way to check it. There's no way to, you know. See.
2: It doesn't matter because you know the right answer. You know the
0: right answer, right? But one of the things that they're trying to do with kids today that I actually really appreciate, even though it frustrates most, uh, lots of parents is they're trying to get them to think mathematically, Mm -hmm. right? They're trying to get them to, to have three different ways to get the right answer so that if one way fails or you get the right, if you get, if you, maybe if you try it two different ways, but you get two different answers, then you know, something went wrong because you're, you're training your minds to increasingly think mathematically. And I think that's really uh, analogous to what we need to do as Christians theologically, that the, the goal isn't just to have the right answer or have what somebody told us is the right answer, right? The goal is to, to know, to, to show our work, to know how we get there and to be able to wrestle through it and, and test it ourselves yeah, the reason gender really- can
1: become a mess in the church is because people didn't want to take eight hours and listen to stuff I mean, not <laughs> not not blaming anyone who's not listening. but like shortcuts are why we get how we got to a place where it, like not knowing how things work, like yeah. not knowing the stuff that takes some time to really like get into and actually think about uh-huh. is how we get into messes on complicated issues. And those messes actually hurt people. You yeah. know, like they can really they yeah. can be damaging. I mean, not to everyone. Plenty of people it's just inconvenient. But for some people, it can turn into really bad experiences. And so, We need to, we need to like actually take time and think about stuff and not everyone's called to, you know, not every single person in our church necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who's like in the middle of some crazy season doesn't need to listen to all eight hours or they're a failure. But the point is that we want to be people who want to think carefully about important things because it's not just a way to be uh, more rooted biblically and theologically as a church family and experience all that comes with that, which is like joy and, and goodness and wholeness. It's also a way to be a witness to the world. It's a way to be what the church ought to be in a place that's forgotten a lot of these things that are woven into the way God created, the, you know, the world. And so, mm. it, it, it it makes sense if we want to avoid things becoming, you know, a mess in in complicated issues. It's going to take a few hours of thinking. Yeah. Um. And that is very similar to, to the common core. Right? Not wrong.
2: It's actually a really great idea. Yeah. I sat in a, a workshop with our lower school teachers where they were explaining how we do math uh-huh. and I, it was, it blew my mind.
0: I'm, I'm it telling was, you, I was like,
2: oh, this I, is so, yeah. cause what happens then not to take too much of a, a detour, <laughs> but like, by the time you get to calculus, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. If all you did was learn the answers, yep. you get to a point where you're like, ah, I'm tapped out. I memorized as far as I could go. And yeah. I, I think that does tie into how we,
1: I'm, I must be bad at math.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know,
1: like, and that you, and you carry that with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- w- what a great example, right? Because the, it it's not a problem for the simple problems, no. But when things get complicated, is when it the the problem it rears starts, its head. It's yeah. really it's really a big problem. And uh, in case you hadn't noticed, on the theological side, we are swimming in a world filled with complicated theological questions, yeah. <laughs> right, like not simple ones, and it's why this is. I, I, and I think to me that's why this is important, not only on this topic. But also as an example for how we um, want to increasingly strive to think through and wrestle through yeah. complicated questions.
1: Yeah. It's going to feel hard. I think it's it's worth mentioning that. Like if we're asking you who are listening to this to to come along with some of this stuff, it's gonna it's gonna feel hard. It's hard for us mm-hmm. who are yeah. kind of recording this because. There's like muscle atrophy. Like this isn't something, you know, Mm. it's, it's like being the parent who learned this one way to do long division. And they're like, wait, what is, why are you drawing like boxes and circles? And like, like what in the world is happening? (laughs) Yeah. What is, is that a remainder? Like, what is that? And it's just very difficult because that you've, you haven't been asked to do this kind of in your time. And now you're being asked to help someone else do it. Like it just, Mm. it's going to, and, and that's why I think it's so frustrating because it feels unnatural. It feels like it shouldn't have to be this hard and in a sense it's very similar to you know any kind of atrophy or, or or any way in which you're not used to doing something that once you get up and going like your mind is built for this yeah. your 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 soul is built for contemplating the things of god that's not just for like pastors people a lot of like leisure time yeah like it's kind of for everyone in different ways and at different levels that's a th- so like if it feels hard that's because we're trying to turn a a, a big ship. The yeah. world isn't broken. The church is doing great in so many ways across the world. Mm-hmm. But this is something where where we are, we've kind of not done this for a while. And so if it feels like ah, oh, this is fr- I'm listening to stuff. I don't know how to think like this. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um. And it's supposed to feel that way. And yeah. we're not doing it just for us. We're doing it for us and for next generations and for other people in in the church and the culture. And mm. and so you know, just expect a little frustration, yeah. but eventually. Expect it to be kind of like riding a bike where, like, you know, the motions, you know, the balance. It's kind of it's in you in a way that remember learning, man, that was something else. So
2: <laughs> lots of skin knees. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, there's something else we're
0: doing, but hey, you this, you, know what? you
1: can't talk about this and not have. No, me. You, can, no. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know,
0: and, and and not all of us are called to put 800 hours in that the way Brian correct. has. Um but I think all of us are called to at least put eight in <laughs> um, so coming out of that, so all that to say, if you haven't listened, start there now, now that you have listened to all eight hours <laughs> You're back. that's right um we we do want to talk a little bit about how this touches down in people's experiences, how this touches down in the life of the church, um and not just the church kind of. Uh, hypothetical, but like, but our church, but Cornerstone West LA. But so starting with people's experiences, though, um, I think people interpret everything that they hear and even are wrestling through through their own experiences of manhood and womanhood. Um, as you both have wrestled through these topics, talked with people about them. Um, What are some of the common experiences people have had as men and women in churches that shape how they hear or experience the topic of manhood and womanhood?
2: So if you've been in a church that does like gendered retreats, I think a really good tell when you have like all the women gone on retreat, what does Sunday look like? And Mm -hmm. how different is that? from a regular week and mm. vice versa. If all the men are gone on a retreat, what happens on Sunday? Mm. I, and I think each of us has a different answer to that question, whether it's, you know, maybe Sunday looks pretty similar, except there's no one to staff childcare because all the women are gone and mm. what do we do with the kids? Or, you know, maybe you start to see like, wow, everybody really has to pick up and help out with different things because our church really did have men and women in lots of different roles and, mm. uh, so I feel like if you reflect back on your own experience, whether you had a weekend where all the members of one gender were gone at a time or just hypothetically, like, what would that have looked like? And I think hmm. each of us is going to kind of come at, at a different answer there.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. It's an interesting thought. I, yeah, I don't know. I've, I have my own thoughts, but what do you think, B?
1: I, mean, I uh One email we got was helpful because it says something similar. It's like kind of, in my experience growing up in the church was like, if all the women disappeared like nothing would really change like the church would kind of just still keep doing exactly what it was doing and it would, it would like it would be fine mm. and I think that's such an interesting comment um and i think accurate to some people's experience um and and so there's a way that just it and that's not about necessarily just who's like doing what activities it's also a lot deeper than that it, it, it's it's uh, there's some intangible like okay Something should feel different at least. You know, like like you mm. e- e- that's such a mm. low bar, right? But mm. like at some level, like shouldn't shouldn't there be just like some like, huh? This doesn't feel the same because half the family's gone. You know,
2: like I think in like a healthy context, you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much we needed yeah. all the men mm. here or all the women. Like yeah. and, and it can be a really beautiful moment of appreciation for what we all bring on a well, Sunday. The singing or, will be different. Yeah. You know, like, like,
1: there's certain ways that that's going to like be. But that should. The idea of like we're still singing, but it's a different kind of singing. Mm-hmm. That sh- that feeling I feel like should pervade like a, a, a gathered church experience when one gender or the other is just gone. Yeah. Um, at, 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 And yet, you know, that's not always the case for people. I think their experiences kind of don't always jive with that. But I think the men's and women's retreats idea or like. The the men's and women's ministry stuff is also mm-hmm. a really helpful way that some people have different experiences with this. Where
2: oh yeah, what was yeah. men's ministry like? Like what if what was your experience? I don't know what it's like to go to a men's thing. Tell the people. So, well,
0: so uh, what's interesting is I think this this leads into what came to my mind even as as you guys were talking as I was thinking about this question. I I think that a lot of people's experiences with um. Manhood and womanhood in the church is really closely tied to their experience of manhood and womanhood in the culture mm. because churches tend to group around cultural similarities, mm. and a church with a bunch of um uh, a, a, a church with a bunch of women who are uh, expecting to be leaders and want you know some egalitarian ideal and things like that coalesce into the same church, mm. right? And then that's that, that feel there. Or um, women who are convinced that women primarily ought to be homemakers and homeschool moms mm-hmm. tend to coalesce yeah, into the same yeah. church community. And so whatever, in, in one sense, whatever their cultural expectations or convictions are, oftentimes get mirrored in mm. local churches. And it it leaves us oftentimes talking about manhood and womanhood in a way, in ways that just assume we're all on the same page. Like, of course, we all know, you know, and, and, oh, of course it's like this, Mm. wherever we are on the spectrum, whatever, whatever local kind of manifestation that is, we talk about it like we're all on the same page where the local church is, I think, meant to be a place of diversity and wrestling and struggling through okay what what does this look like Mm. um, in our various contexts and so to answer your question what does a man (laughs) yeah what does a men's retreat look like well it uh a men's retreat in simi valley looks like a group of simi valley men getting together A men's retreat in West LA tends to look like a group of West LA men getting together, <laughs> and the type of thing that I mean, and, and you know, and, and well, and a men's
1: retreat you, you, of people from Simi Valley who've moved to West LA tends to look its own way. Too. Exactly, oh, exactly, right. And so, so
0: okay, maybe you take away all the, um, maybe you take away all the obvious vices, right? So okay. no, you know, promiscuous sex or you know, just total drunkenness, right. So you take away all the obvious vices, but then what's left looks kind of like the culture. Interesting. In some interesting and I, it, it kind of feels like that might be similar with women as well.
2: Well so I've been I've been in so many different contexts where like sometimes a women's event is like all crafts. Um, And sometimes they're like bad crafts, but that's like the vibe of the people and like not say like, I'm so curious about the distinction
1: between a good craft and a bad craft, but that's for another podcast. (laughs) Uh,
2: But like, there's just, there's a uniqueness. I appreciate what you say about uh, the culture. I I went to a retreat once of women who were mostly like from like the South Bay, like Orange County area. Uh And it was really actually pretty beautiful to sort of watch I felt like a cultural observer, like I wanted mm-hmm. to take notes because I was like, wow, you guys treat each other differently. You're interested in different topics. I didn't feel like I fit in and I wasn't trying to in that, in that context, but it was really lovely to see them appreciating things that sort of fit for them. And if you really were moving to that area and trying to fit in, you might believe certain ideas about what, well, womanhood is this picture because yeah. that's what the retreat looked like or, you know. Yeah womanhood looks like everybody, like, you know, in really high powered positions and we all talk about jobs, you know? And, and and so, and,
0: and I'm like, I'm not convinced that's, I mean, that's not necessarily bad. bad. No, No. I mean, because you mentioned it in the conference, Brian, like the, these things always show up in culture,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? They, they're not devoid from culture and so they manifest in culture, but we need to, I I think, uh, consider an awareness of that and what it and what it looks like.
2: If you've never been to an event or in a context where you are outside your culture,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think it's hard to realize that you have a culture.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, I mean that's something that like Phil, my husband Phil, grew up overseas and like has been such an incredible observer mm. of different cultural experiences because he sees it differently. He's like, oh, you see how they're all doing XYZ. And I'm like, wait. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. And I I as the one swimming in it hadn't seen it until somebody else pointed it out.
1: Yeah. I think that's the hard part about like the when when you, you know, become a Christian or you grow up in a church, um you do think that that's just the way it is mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And I think in West LA, um you do have a lot of people who are from different places yeah. who come here assuming it must be that way here. Cuz that's just what men do that's what women do or that's what christians do or christian men or christian women mm-hmm. and so a lot of the conference stuff um that that's going to affect how you hear it yeah because you're hearing it in the backdrop of what here's what men are and do from a christian perspective that you picked up because that's the church you grew up in yeah and so at your men's retreat you know it was it was you went and you they all journaled and, you know, yeah. and shared feelings yeah. and, and somewhere else they like went and I don't know, shot stuff or what, you know, chopped wood <laughs> or, so. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these are these kind of crazy things. And so, so that's going to affect how you hear a lot of these shooting things stuff and in, what you, yeah,
0: shooting stuff isn't a crazy thing.
2: But uh, well, it awesome. also, the women's groups can do that too in certain parts. of
0: Yeah. That's yeah, well, that, yeah <laughs> Sorry. That, I, that's, I totally know, interrupted no, you. No, I think mean, that's, that's the thing is like yeah.
1: it it, it, the, the keeping, uh, it's a little simplistic, but keeping up the distinction between what you just sort of picked up along the way because everyone happened to do things a certain yes. way. And then reading that back into what men and women are yeah. at a fundamental level. Yeah. Um, that's the difficulty. And that's what we're all kind of working through. Right. And that creates all sorts of insecurities mm-hmm. um, or like overconfidence and, and, and an inability to, to empathize with other people. There's all these ways in which that can negatively impact your relationship with with others in in the lo- this local church, yeah. um, or with people in the culture, or even internally to yourself, as you think about what a man is, what a woman is, and being able to separate out those things that you just kind of picked up as assumptions, yeah. which we all do and is totally natural. Yeah. But a lot, it, it's the conflict between the reality you're living and then some of these kind of more superficial assumptions. They yeah. can create so many problems for people, and a lot of why I think the conference is that content is important is because it's not just saying, "Oh, well, it's not the one you experienced." It's this other one over here. Turns yeah. out you yeah, yeah. grew yeah. up in the wrong culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns yeah. out if you just went to another church, you would have got it right. The idea is let's try and really look at scripture and figure out what the core of these things are. And I think if you see that and do some of that that thinking along with us you're going to be surprisingly relieved if you apply it and really think through it of some of those tensions and insecurities that you maybe didn't realize you had or didn't realize that was actually about gender Mm -hmm. and not about whatever your the presenting kind of problem of it is. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about how, how to think about the things we talked about in the conference, in the context of these various cultural backgrounds and experiences and things like that. Um, before we get there i want to I want to suggest one additional kind of common experience in the church and, and see what you guys think about this and maybe uh, for those listening with kids, it's just we're, it's a little bit more of a, a mature subject matter, so I'll let you make your d- discretion but I, I also think over half the time conversations about manhood and womanhood are conversations about sex Hmm. So, and this is unique about the church, and I think something we need to like think through carefully as well. We're so many times when we're, you know, what's a man, what, what's a men's retreat like about? Well, it's it's about lust and sex, right? Like, I mean, they're not all, but like <laughs> half that's a real them, thing. But half of them are. Yeah. And oh, wow. if we're ever going to talk with men and women separately, it's because we can talk about everything together except sex. And if we're going to talk about manhood and womanhood, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're talking about purity culture and we're talking about like, and I also think that a lot of people's experience of talking about manhood and womanhood relationships between men and women, if it's not about the theological, you know, what, what is a woman allowed to do and not allowed to do in the church conversation, then it's oftentimes about sex. Yeah. And like, is that, is that just me or?
2: No, because I think the, like the female equivalent of that is about like how to make sure that the men don't lust and make sure yeah. that they like, yeah. it's our job to protect that. And so here's all the jobs and rules for us to prevent issues. And
0: And that's got to communicate weird things. It does. Right. Yeah. About our identity, about the nature of manhood and womanhood, even if not explicitly just subtly, if whenever we're talking about these topics, we're talking about sex, then we tend to imbibe the idea that what's core to our sexual or gendered distinctions is somehow sexual activity.
2: Mm. That really makes it hard for us to talk about like being brothers and sisters. Yeah. It really like Mm -hmm. fights against creating family.
0: Mm hmm absolutely cuz and we're, we're constantly viewing each other as threats yeah um and there's all sorts of hurdles to experiencing and 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 even exploring what healthy brotherhood sisterhood looks like and involves in the in, in, in the church and so i i when i think about people's experiences in the church i think that's another component that i think uh complicates <laughs> yeah <laughs> anytime there. you
1: move from wisdom to fear, something mm. gets messed up. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of ways that, you know, we don't have time to probably go into all of that, but there are a lot of ways that the idea of let's be wise in our relationships in a fallen world moved to fear. Mm. Like, you know, that, the, 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 you know, women can become a, a problem for men mm. because of their physical appearance. Yeah. Um, And that men are a problem for women because of the potential to act on their desires. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there's there's a wisdom. There's a wisdom there. Like, you know, it's very naive to act as though those things aren't factors. And I think there's Mm -hmm. ways that we're seeing some of that naivety or at least Mm -hmm. some some of the ways that 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 can be problematic come out now where you're seeing things in the church about abuse and things like that. Yeah. That just seem like, oh, yeah, that. Probably should have been like sniffed out and figured out and handled in a different uh, in a different way. At the same time, fear doesn't like that. It's a wisdom. The idea is like let's be wise about that. Let's not turn each other into objects of fear, and Mm -hmm. therefore reduce each other and our ability to relate to these to these things. So I I think that's right, and I think that if you look, some of people's experiences are going to, um, especially from certain like places and contexts, are going to revolve around. Things like purity culture, things like purity rings, purity pledges. um, Yeah, guys only ever talking about pornography when they're talking with other guys. Yeah, women, um, yeah, only ever thinking of modesty in terms of uh, of of men. Yeah, (laughs) like yeah.
2: Where is the conversation about modesty in terms of like spending or like affluence, which is a different part of modesty, but not like. Yeah, usually it's about like covering your body.
1: And there's a way in which that's, there's a way in which that, that that's right. And yet there's wisdom versus fear seems to be mm-hmm. a very salient distinction here. Yeah. Like it's one thing if you're like, oh, it's wise to do this for the X, Y, re- it's loving to do this for X, Y, Z reason. It's another thing when it's, when it gets so reduced yeah. to our, our interactions are mainly about being afraid that we're going to have sex with one another.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, that's a yeah. problem that, that that's really not a healthy place to start. And I don't think you get that in scripture you get wisdom about like let's not fall into sexual sin right don't and so what that's going to do i think and to bring it back to what we're doing here which it's not that far afield now but i think that you end up with a kind of sense that what i am as a man and what i am as a woman is essentially a threat Hmm. i'm essentially a, a temptation to sin or someone who is tempted to sin and so as i look uh, across and you really only define in one sense you only enact man and womanhood with men and women it, it, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a way in which uh, you know men together act a certain way and that is a, a gendered thing women together act a certain way so i'm not saying it's only ever when we're together but they reference each other they're 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 poles they're mm-hmm. you know they're complementary and so in that way um if if you grew up in a in a church culture like that you're going to th- bring that context to what it means to be a man or a woman and in many ways, just be trying to run against that. Yeah. You want to mm-hmm. fight it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best thing to do is to not be either of those things. And yeah. that just sounds horrible. So we could go for a while. No, absolutely. I know. There, absolutely. But, I, know but no, I think no, that's I, right. And that
0: affects the con- It affects how you listen to this stuff. And no, it's, it's it's so affirming. I mean, I'm, I, we've talked about, I'm doing actually a conference session this weekend about the relationship between men and women. And I'm going to do it in an hour. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm like. You need to listen to eight hours, <laughs> but, but I think that it's so, it gets so complicated because when we view one another as threats, most fundamentally, mm-hmm. then that it, it does, it shapes how we view manhood and womanhood themselves. It, it, it shapes so much of, of that. And, and not that, and actually you mentioned, you know, that sometimes the naivete is kind of come to roost. I don't even think it's the naivete. I think that it's this same. I mean, there, there's some of that in there for sure, but I think it's this same attitude that says, oh, the way we solve problems is through avoidance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good. That is what's produced and and promoted abuse in, in the mm-hmm. church. Like, wait, that, that's not how we solve problems. Well, you don't solve character problems by just like keeping things separate. You, just, you, you solve them by dealing with people's hearts. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, if a man and a woman can't be in each other's presence without like sexual problems that like the answer is not avoidance. Yeah. The answer is sanctification, like yeah. transform. no, it, it may be the immediate answer is avoidance, right. In wisdom, but there's a bigger purity bigger than not solution. doing something wrong. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was actually thinking about this just the other day, because I think that we, inter- we assume we're going to get back to our actual topic. I promise. Um, but we assume that the opposite of modesty is sexiness, hmm. but the opposite of modesty is vanity, right? Interesting. Like, like the opposite of modesty is vanity and yeah. it, one subset or one manifestation of that could be the sexiness or, you know, the, 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 but when we truncate it, then again, and, and I think why this is important even to this conversation is because that deeply informs how we think about manhood and womanhood
2: mm-hmm.
0: right when women are taught in the bible to be modest then it we, we we interpret we hear that through a sexualized filter right as if all that is being talked about here is is uh sexuality sexiness it's and there's a again that, that that's a piece of the puzzle, but whenever scripture talks about modesty it is so much Bigger, bigger, bigger so yeah. much bigger than that say the phrase so what, what's the what's the thing for the conference session you had a couple things
1: they were uh, good they should be they should be yeah so, th- so I, was posterity posterity recorded. <laughs> I was talking to
0: Brian the other day because it was like Tuesday before the conference and I'm like okay I don't have a session yet I, I have a thesis statement <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially my my thesis was that the the church tends to um, see one another men and women see friendships with another fundamentally as uh, as threats and in the ideal situations, they can act familially, mm. but the Bible sees men and women f- most fundamentally as familial,
2: mm-hmm. most
0: fundamentally as brothers and sisters who in the most unhealthy situations can become threats. Mm. And I think we need, okay. and I think what that does is it moves the tr- it moves our experience. It moves our posture our personal posture, and then moves the church as a, as a whole from, um, from a culture of fearful avoidance to a culture of expectant complementarity, Mm. right? We want to, I used your word expect, expectant. It was better. It's better than joyful. It's better than joyful. Mm -hmm. Um, because the culture that God wants is, is one of, of expectant complementarity, not fearful avoidance Um, and what's interesting too and I love the parallel here because expectant and fearful are both future oriented Mm. they're both about interpretations of what's coming and how I view you and if I view you as the the um Meredith as I view you as the um gateway to something bad Mm. right then it's then I, I, mm-hmm. I view you through the lens of fear mm. as opposed to the, the, the positive vision of something beautiful and good mm-hmm. in the complementary relationships between brothers and sisters in yeah. the body. And, and again, the, the, the application of that requires wisdom and there are men and women who are threats. Right. Right. So that, that doesn't not exist, but the fact that there are some that are threats causing us to interpret all as threats, um, really eats away yeah. at not just our relationships not just the local church but our our whole understanding of what man and womanhood is. I
2: think that's a really big shift to make too. And I think just listening to a podcast or a conference and hearing it isn't going to be like cool tomorrow now yes. I know it's not this it's this. I think there's a way in which this truth is going to have to take some time to like allow the holy spirit to like shift our perspective. And if yeah. especially if you either truly had an experience that taught you to fear mm-hmm. the opposite sex, or if that really is the culture you grew up in, like, you know, through prayer, through the work of the spirit, like yeah. as our hearts change, I think we can move into that. And it's okay. If that takes a little bit of time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I, I think you're exactly right. And it's so far, it's part of why I'm a little bit frustrated as I prepare for this <laughs> session, because I'm like, basically all I'm doing is like planting a seed. I think, I yeah. think everybody there is going to walk away being like, okay, (laughs) I need to think about that, (laughs) right? Right? I hope they do. Which which isn't as like, uh, you know, as satisfying as, that was great, I'm totally convinced. But I think when it comes to these types of things, Mm. um, they are so deeply ingrained and our cultures and our expectations are, uh, that it takes time and it takes time and it takes the context of a healthy local church. Yes, to, to start to see and actually trust experience that, like, that yeah. not just to hear it as an idea, but to experience it as a, yeah. as a, as a reality. So back onto the track of where <laughs> we were, we were headed. If we, we, if we want to talk about the context of the local church, um, how, how do, how do these experiences touch down and, and what, um, what do you hope people will experience at Cornerstone that will reaffirm, not, not just a, kind of this sidetrack thing of a relationship between men, men and women, but about their identity as men and women in general. Um, how do you hope people will experience that here as a part of our local church?
2: I, I really hope that people get to know different men and women who are different from them and I, that as we've over the years really tried to build a multi ethnic community as we live in a city where people are coming from all different walks of life and experiences it's so good for us to be able to interact with people whose family structures are different people who are at different ages different life stages and and to see modeled different ways to minister different ways to use gifts like i love getting to see Steph Moss and I love knowing their family a little bit better and understanding that their marriage looks a little different than, you know, Scott, your marriage. And mm-hmm. and there's such beauty to the different kinds of ways that God will pair men and women together in marriage, in ministry contexts, in family situations. And and so I hope that people as they get to know different parts of our church will start to see that and start to see, oh, oh, maybe there's like a place for me here. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I grew up in a context where women either worked in childcare or they were married to the pastors. And the women married to the pastors got to do all the cool ministry stuff. Huh. Unless you really like holding babies, which is awesome. But yeah. like those were your choices. Um I married a drummer, which has been like, you know, next to following Jesus, one of the best decisions I made. And <laughs> like, but it's like been so beautiful to be in a church context mm. where my role in the church isn't connected to who I'm married to. Mm. It's participating in the family and the gifts mm-hmm. that I have. And, mm-hmm. and I see that in the lives of a lot of different men and women who serve here at Cornerstone in different capacities.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I, I think that for most people, like the common, the common thread with all the different experiences people have in uh, church when it comes to being men and women um, is that uh, at least part of what it means to be a man or a woman gets kind of shaved off. You know, mm. there's there's something something about manhood and womanhood has to be reduced to fit um, or adjusted to fit uh, mm. the way it's expressed in this particular place. Um, there's ways in which that's kind of happen everywhere. You know, I, I, I want to keep everything nice and complicated um, <laughs> at the same time. I, I would love for people who spend time at Cornerstone, if someone asked them, you know, after a decade at Cornerstone, you know, what's it like to be a man or a woman at Cornerstone? That they would say, "I discovered new ways hmm. um, that 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 it's beautiful to be a man or a woman. I hmm. discovered new ways that it's valuable to be a man or a woman. I like, I I I felt like not that I could do whatever I felt like it was. This kind of loose freedom, like fish out of water, you know, it dies. Like that's, that's not that's not helpful for anybody. But that there's a kind of pursuit of the fullness of what God made, hmm. um, and the way He ordered that." In, yeah. in 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 a, in a kind of a beauty and a goodness, and that, that pursuit never says, "Oh, we won't pursue that part of it." Mm. Right. And so, like Mary, I mean, you said something at the conference where you're like, "I feel like at work, I have to leave like my my femininity behind in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form." I feel like a lot of people feel that way at church, um, mm-hmm. and and I and you said like at, at Cornerstone, I feel like I can come and and in a sense let that breathe, like like I can be a woman here, mm-hmm. and I think that we maybe are in the beginning of knowing exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. I think that's true for men too. Like if I said, what does it mean to be a man at Cornerstone? Like, I don't know. And part of that's right. Like, like part of that's like, Absolutely. yeah, I'm just, I'm just a man who goes to Cornerstone. Like fair enough. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually very valuable. But I also want someone to be able to say, yeah, I think I understand what manhood is. And I think I'm, I'm always, we're always looking to express that in better and truer ways. Um, and I'm kind of, I feel like I'm just finding that out more and more. And what that means to be a blessing to the sisters and mothers, you know, and brothers around me yeah. um, that, that, that I would love someone to be able to say that. That there's just a fullness mm-hmm. here, mm. um, and I think that's going to take some reorientation. I think why we need to talk about the experiences earlier um, to get here is because so much of this really is thinking through what have I, how have I unknowingly like sliced off a part of what it means to be a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, just for my life, because I was taught that from, you know where I grew up, because I was taught that from uh, the churches I was in, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we just don't think that way, and we just kind of, I don't know, those blinders stay on. Mm-hmm. And so the idea behind the conference and the idea behind these kind of podcasts and what we hope to do, I think, going forward, is let's try and get those off and see exactly how God ordered things and the way that they are beautiful when they're worked out, mm-hmm. and the way that that actually demands. It doesn't just allow for, but it demands like a fullness of the various ways that femininity and masculinity of uh, man and womanhood express themselves in different and differently gifted and differently shaped people. Mm. Mm. Um that there's so much beauty there to be had and I feel like we are so I still have this hangover from growing up where that's just all restricted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all kind of boxed in because there's a fear yeah. that if we unbox it it's going to lead to some kind of running against God's order, running against you know, into anarchy and I'm like mm-hmm. no that's I think you can, I think you can let God's word and God's spirit guide us as we move forward in God's order and try not to have to buy. Like, what if we didn't do that? Yeah. Like, what if you were able to feel like, I don't even know yet what it means to be a man or a woman here in its fullness. Mm -hmm. And there's like always more to do there. And so you're learning more and more. You're getting more and more centered. There's a sense in which you're Mm -hmm. like, I I get it more and more as I go, but I'm never like done with that. There's a ways in which there's more. Uh, relational beauty and all that. So I, I I find it just really, really compelling, mm-hmm. um, but also really different. And it's going to take some mental, and in a sense, like spiritual and, and heart level effort to say, I have to actually move towards that. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. those are tiny baby steps. And there's people from different situations where that's going to look radically different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your past experiences can color. That's all sorts of stuff. This isn't like one activity we're all going to go do. Um, but it is a thing we're going to do together. And pursue that kind of harmony i think mm-hmm. together but we we are it's going to look like a, a what's it eugene peterson you know mm-hmm. a, 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 a long, long obedience long obedience yeah in the same direction a, a lot of stuff i was gonna say a lot of steps and yeah. <laughs> that's not right but it's gonna look like a, a, a lot of small steps in that direction over years yeah and i think but it's only going to get more beautiful as you go it's not yeah. like well once you know after three years once we arrive then it's no i think it's just going to be good Maybe challenging at times, a lot of wisdom required, but I think yeah. it's going to be good. And I want people to be able to really say that with a with a full voice. Mm. I, I I was able to be a man and a woman um, at Cornerstone.
2: Mm. You know, and this makes me think about Scott, as you brought up, like the challenge that we have in our culture of seeing these things through such a sexualized lens. Mm. It's hard for me to bring my femininity or, or my womanhoodness womanhood into the church, Mm -hmm. if I see that only as like a sexual thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'm afraid to talk. Even if I feel like confident that I can be a sister to someone, I'm worried that like, I talk to this guy in my community group, is his wife going to get weird? Is he going to feel weird? And, and to start to take those baby steps toward like, what if I like, what if I really believed that this person's my brother? Yeah. And, just talk to him like a real brother, and yeah. and you do it once or twice, and you as a community start to build those relationships, and then you really find that like bringing myself as a woman to the church isn't about my sexuality. Yeah, that happens in my marriage. Yeah, and this is about me as like a a more complete person.
0: I mm-hmm. think I think it's such a beautiful picture and i think we we experience it more and more and it it breaks down these barriers Mm -hmm. that kind of the over sexualization of our culture puts up um i think that it it doing that uh doing that scares us Mm -hmm. right because it it of both the dangers and kind of the unknown. I I think when it comes to the, the, the dangers and the, and the real sexual dangers that do exist, um, as I was wrestling through this and I, I've, I've looked over the last couple of weeks through like dozens of different people's guidelines for men, men and women relationships. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, like, Almost, you know, like what? <laughs> like I, like I, I, I couldn't find a list that I wanted mm. to, that or that I like could totally endorse. And so I'm like, maybe I make my own list. Mm. I, I was like, wait, what's the theme? Like, what's the consistent theme here? And when it came to kind of guarding against the the sexualized side of things, the the theme was just honesty.
2: Mm.
0: Like, if I'm ever If I ever take even the smallest step away from just total honesty with my spouse, with a person, with myself, Mm. like then like that is the alarm,
2: Yeah.
0: right? Like I'm headed in the wrong direction. If I'm, if I'm not confessing regularly now, again, I might have a temptation, but then I confess it. I'm honest about it. Right. I confess Mm -hmm. it. I, I have accountability, whatever. Like if there's ever any. But as, as I take one step away from honesty, it it, it, it all breaks down, mm-hmm. and I think in in an, kind of an analogous way, Brian, that the fear that we have that this is just going to like result in anarchy, right? It again is about fear. It's not about pursuing truth. And wh- whenever I experience any of that, like ounce of um, fear or or even I don't know maybe even honesty about the wrestling I'm doing about what it means for me and my personality and my to be a man then I'm 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 kind of putting up this facade and I'm I'm doing all these these different things I I, I don't know I, we uh, we could talk about that a bunch but I, I the question I want to ask you though I want to I want to kind of pivot from there on and you may have you may have just answered this question <laughs> So, you can tell me if you just answered this question, but I want to like ask it a slightly different way to see what it brings to your mind as you were working through all of this research and wrestling through just even the the theologicalness so of this I mean, one of the things I love about getting to work together with you is you you always you, you can't not do so as a pastor, right It's never theoretical. It's always like and what were the pictures that? formed in your imagination as you thought through the theological realities? Like what what kind of pictures for our local church did your sanctified imagination see for what this could be like in our midst?
1: Um, I think, uh some you know some combination of web and tapestry. I, I it, it kept coming up. I, um, there's this kind of image. I I did I did do that. That's because of really fascinating. You asked that. I don't we do like talk that way that often. But I, I did. Um, and one of them was, uh, each each individual as kind of a little like node, a little like I don't know marble or a little like piece of light. Mm. Um, and having them begin to connect with each other in this very dynamic way where they're not, it 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 becomes like a three dimensional kind of web. And each one of those connections has its own like shape and thread and tether and color. Um, And they move, they're constantly moving on, because it's Mm. over, it's in a sense over generations, but also in West LA, people coming in, people leaving. Mm. There's a way that each thing is shaped in some ways uniquely, but it's all cohesive. It's all together. And there's a way that that grows. Some of those, those threads like thicken. Um, and and there's, and there's ways that they, uh, this is where it gets pretty ethereal (laughs) as though it wasn't already, Um, but that, that was an image where there's, there's this ever growing, ever changing, very dynamic and yet, uh, very connected way in which we are a community. Like we are a family. And I think that's the reason that stands out is because I think the image that you normally get is, you know, everyone on one side of the gym and everyone on the other. Um, you know, like, like all the, all the men are doing men things and they're like, all oh, the color, I don't know, blue and they're all over <laughs> and they're all kind of to each other. The women are, you know, colored pink. And then occasionally they pair off and get married and like, then they, then they disappear, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's this image of, of separateness versus mm. something versus together, but not a static togetherness. Mm. The other, the other image that I think is helpful, um, you know, Jesus, uh, at one point healed a guy with a withered hand, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll curl it on itself and it essentially kind of uncurls and, and the health is restored, um, which means the hand can can function the way it's supposed to function. Uh, and yet he has to like learn how to use that again. The muscles, I mean, healing is healing. Like when Jesus heals you, it's not like, oh, it'll get there in like a month or two. Like it's healed. But that dude's been living for how long with a withered hand? So now he has to like, remember he has a hand to use. I guess. Mm. Like guess like he- pursuing health in that situation looks like learning to do something that's supposed to be natural, but feels unnatural. Mm. Um, and that is it, 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 but it's the most natural thing in the world to use, to use two hands. Um, and yet, you know, and I think the, the, Im- the reason that image came to me again in this conversation is I think it's such a weird thing to think, okay, we've got these, this hand that's now whole that's now healed. Let's be so careful in case it stabs somebody um Gosh. like like there, you know what I mean like there's there's, there's, there's way like, that's accurate like like yes like let's you know th- these things the well, hands are not, not for stabbing. That. yeah, yeah. Well, okay like like yeah. like that and, and and you know there's there's there it's so strong but like yeah. there's a way that that there's wisdom that like yes yeah. sin exists and, and that's a real thing but the pursuit of health does not look like uh avoiding any potential like like you want to be wise in avoiding the 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 sin that can manifest itself in these horrible yeah. ways, yeah. but you, but pers- you, you can't focus on that in the pursuit of health. You pursue health as someone who's wise, yeah, and that's where I'm trying to say. Like, I think that's the mm. the thing that the vision I have here is like so many people. I think when it comes to being a man or a woman, it really is kind of a withered version. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for the word by the Spirit to speak into that and say, "I want to kind of uncurl that and show you the fullness and the beauty of being able." Look, I mean, think of all a hand can do. Um, I I want you, I want you to see what health is here. I, 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 and that's, there's wisdom there in saying, let's make sure, you know, (laughs) nothing untoward happens. I I get that. I really do. Um, at the same time, I want to, I want us to be pursuing health. What does health and vitality look like with
0: this thing that Jesus has has done to heal us? Yeah. Both those images are really helpful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like really helpful. And I think give us, I, particularly the second one, too, I think gives, it gives me a context for how to think through why this isn't quite as simple as listen to eight hours and go do it, mm-hmm. right, um, as, as we wrestle through this together. Um, Meredith, I want to give you the last word as you have thought about this and wrestled through, even over the last few years and know our church family. What, what comes to mind as you imagine what this can look like in our midst?
2: I think a lot about biblical care characters. Mm. Uh, I think about Esther and Mordecai Mm. who were sort of cousins, uncle, niece, kind of, you know, complicated relationship, but they, they helped each other. They encouraged one another. Like he challenged her to be faithful and to, to do Uh, to be brave, to go to the king, to save her people. And there wasn't like an inappropriateness to their, like there's nothing in that story that makes you like worry about like, "Uh uh-oh, is something weird going to happen? And now they're going to like have some sort of like tryst. They're they're relating to each other as family. And Mm. there's so many different characters throughout scripture that just care for one another and support each other and remind each other of God's goodness and like those to me are the model and Mm. I want to be like that toward each other Mm. and to really live in a way that models the the way Jesus interacted with men and with women. Mm. I think it's a a really beautiful picture. So Mm. I hope, I hope we can look more like that.
0: Mm. It is a beautiful picture. And I think one of the things that excites me is that I feel like I see that's what the Lord's doing in our midst. Like I just continue to see it more and more and more. It seems like He's He's growing and developing and and bringing about um, the health as we pursue and pursue Him together. Um, this was a great conversation. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, this is one of only a, a f- or of a few we're going to do, and we hope to do over the course of the summer. Um, just continuing on this conversation and hopefully sparking conversations, but. Be- f- between those of you who are listening, as you continue to talk th- through and wrestle, wrestle with these things themselves. Uh, Brian, what, what else do we have to look forward to? What, what else to? what else are we gonna talk about? Yeah,
1: we're gonna talk about um, ways that, uh, the way we think about gender is, usually, is often influenced by things that have nothing to do with gender, mm-hmm. like ideas we have of power or equality or what church, churches are and how they're organized and yeah. all those sorts of things. We'll talk about what we're going to do um, at Cornerstone somewhat practically. Yeah. Uh, how can we kind of keep having these conversations? How can we help you have these conversations and kind of pursue that kind of health? And how can we do it together, like as, as a whole church? Um, and eventually, I think there will be the promised podcast from the conference about certain passages. They just, I pro- you know. First
0: Corinthians 11. Please. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> the black hole in my Bible. <laughs> Every other part. I know exactly how to apply.
1: It's just this one. It's just only the one. one. It's just
0: that one. That's
2: pretty. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's pretty arrogant. I think it, it, that'd be like. I, I was reading I, I, Chronicles I'd, I'd this pastor. morning. <laughs> but.
2: Please tell me how to apply the first three chapters of Chronicles. Uh, at some point,
0: at some point, someday, we're going to have a podcast discussion about First Corinthians 11 and answer all my questions. <laughs> so, so for great. yeah, but for there's lots to come. Yeah, for, right. now, <laughs> for now, for now. No, I, I,
1: yes, I just totally. encourage if you're listening, I, I want, you know, it's easy to listen to this and then like keep driving or whatever. I, I, I would encourage you think about just for a few minutes, like what your experience with this stuff has been, yeah. like where, where are you from? How, what are you bringing with you? And then are there a few next steps to pursue health? That looks so different for so many people, depending on that experience, maybe other experiences for good and for bad that you've had. But what are ways that pursuing health in this, you know, what does that look like for you? Um, And how can people in the church possibly be a part of that in wisdom?
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. Great thing to leave you with. Hope you will wrestle through that this week, um, this month, that you continue to walk this journey with us as we grow together as a church family, as men and women, the Lord's drawn together here in this place and in this time. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. We love you and we'll see you on Sunday.